Morning, everybody. Thank you. Welcome back for week two of Foundations, this journey that we're taking together as a church to develop a deeper foundation of faith, to go deeper in our faith, to develop the kind of faith that not only gives purpose and meaning to our life, but a faith that is strong enough to weather the most difficult storms of life. Now to help us develop this deeper faith, we are focusing on Jesus. We're focusing on the example of Jesus' life, and we're focusing on the words that Jesus taught. Why? Because Jesus said the path to a firm foundation of faith is in hearing his words and in doing his words. In fact, we see that in our theme verse for this series there on the top of your outline, Luke chapter 6, Jesus speaking, and he says, when someone comes to me, listens to my teaching, and then follows it, it is like a person building a house who digs deep and lays a foundation on solid rock. In other words, what Jesus is saying is that the strength of our foundation is directly proportional to the level of our obedience to his teachings. The more we put the words of Jesus into practice into our daily life, the stronger and deeper our faith becomes. Last week when we started this journey, we talked about being intentional you got to do some digging because a, a strong faith doesn't just happen by accident. You don't just absorb it through osmosis or develop it because time has passed. You know, it's not like you become a follower of Jesus, ask him into your heart, and if you'll just wait long enough, one day you'll have a deep, strong faith. No, you have to intentionally dig down to develop that faith. And you got to be intentional. We're all building our lives on something. We're all digging somewhere. The question is, are we digging down to something that is worth building our lives on? And you might remember last week I shared with you to help us begin to dig, there are three things that you can do during this six-week journey that can help you dig to a firmer foundation. One of them was to come and listen to the teachings, the words of Jesus, our Sunday morning messages. And the fact that you're here joining us online says that you're committed to that, you're doing that. But secondly, we talked about needing to spend time in God's Word daily, to be in that secret place, to be in His presence. And to help you do that for these six weeks, we're providing these daily readings, these daily devotions through the Bible app. And so let me just ask, how many of you have been able to connect with the daily devotions? You've got those, you're working on, great, that's many of you. For those of you who haven't, it's probably not because you don't want to, it's probably because it seems so complicated to get to them, because we're trying to leverage the app that we have as a church and the Bible app, and the reason we're doing that is because we want you to develop this habit of steady reading plans long beyond this 
series. So, But let me just say this. If you've had a hard time getting those daily devotions, please don't leave your campus today without stopping by the Welcome Center. There's people that will be there to personally help you get connected, get it downloaded, get what you need, make it easy for you so that all of us can be intentional not only about the Sunday morning messages, but be intentional about daily time with Jesus. And then the third thing is to connect with others in one of our home groups. We have groups meeting all different nights of the week, all across our city. All of our campuses are hosting groups during the week at their campus, so it's not too late. We're just one week into this thing, so please don't leave here today without making sure that you're connected and you're going to be a part of digging a little deeper, taking what we're talking about on Sunday mornings and making it personal for your life. Last week, we talked about being intentional. Today, we're going to talk about being connected. Because if you really want to dig a deeper faith, you need to understand this. You cannot dig alone. You have to be connected with others. You know, over the last 10 years, technology has totally redefined our understanding of connection. Like if I were to tell you get connected or he or she is connected, we don't think about them sitting around face-to-face with a group of people. We immediately think about connecting online, right, through social media, being, you know, plugged in to what's happening. In fact, I read some statistics just this week. Did you know that the average American connects on five different social media platforms every week? Five different platforms per person. Two of the most popular, Facebook and WhatsApp. Listen to this. On just those two platforms, we send 60 billion messages to each other every day. 60 billion messages. That's on top of the 18 billion texts we send to each other. Look, it has never been easier to connect with one another. But psychiatrists tell us, with all of that connection, we've never been more lonely. More people are reporting extreme feelings of isolation and loneliness than in any other time in our history. Why? Because we are made for more than just keyboard connections. We're made for more than just Facebook friends. We need to do life together. In fact, Jesus taught that the depth of my relationship with him is best seen in the quality of my relationships with others. Where did Jesus say that? John chapter 13. They're on your outline. Jesus, talking to his followers, said, all people will know that you are my followers if you do what? Right, and you got to connect to love, and the more connected you are, the more closely following Jesus you become. Jesus not only taught this, but he lived it out in his life. Remember last week? I was talking to you about the the three and a half years of Jesus' public ministry. He was constantly surrounded by crowds. 
Hundreds of thousands of people wanted to get close to him, touch him, be healed by him, hear him teach. He was always around crowds. But if you do a time study of the Gospels, of what Jesus spent his time doing during that three and a half years, the vast majority of his time was spent not with the crowd, but with a small group of 12 men. And in fact, within that small group, there were three of those men that he spent even more time with. That's how Jesus spent his time. And I believe if Jesus were alive today, that he might be on Facebook. He might be on Instagram and Twitter and, and Snapchat. He, he would probably use those things to leverage spreading his message of hope. I don't know if he'd be online or not, but I do know this. If Jesus were here today, he would be connected with a small group of followers. He would be doing life together. Why? Because it is essential to the growth of our faith. And so this morning, I want us to look at the why. Why is it that we need each other? Why is connection such a big deal to my faith? Four reasons. Number one, we need each other because it is how we are wired. It's how we are wired. We are created for connections. We're formed to be a part of God's family. Listen, connection is not just essential for our faith. It is essential to who we are as human beings. It's so interesting. If you look at the creation story in the first two chapters of the book of Genesis, this six-day period where God speaks everything in creation into existence, there is a repetitive pattern that happens over and over through both of these chapters. God will create something, and then he will declare that it is good. God created the light, and he separated the light from the darkness, and he said, it is good. God created the land and the sea, and he separated the land from the sea, and he said that it was good. God created the plants and the animals and the fish and the birds, and he declared that it was good. In fact, there's only one thing in the whole creation narrative that God says isn't good. Do you know what that is? Look at Genesis 2.18. The Lord God said, it is not good for man to be what? Alone. And that's not just because, as every woman in here knows, if you leave a man alone long enough, he'll mess something up. That's true for all of us. We are not, none of us are created to do life alone. Man, woman, boy, girl. Why? Because we are created in the image of God, and God is a relational God, and he has wired us for relationships. Now, look, I get it. Some of us are extroverts, and this comes easy. Some of us are introverts, and it's more difficult, but we all need connections. The only difference between extroverts and introverts is the number of people you're able to connect with and the amount of time you need alone after you've been connected with people. But we all need connections. That is why the harshest punishment that our criminal justice system can dish out is solitary confinement. There's almost nothing worse you can do to a human being than to isolate them from others. In fact, that's why in many states, prisons no longer use solitary confinement. 
Because psychologists and psychiatrists are discovering that time isolated from others can create mental, emotional, and even physical damage that is permanent to a person because that is how we are wired. Now, here's my question. Here's what I want to ask God. If this need for connecting with others is deep in us, And if this connection with others is essential to growing our faith, why is it so daggum hard to connect with people? Right? Why is it so? You'd think if God wanted us to do this, needed us to do this, why wouldn't he make it so much easier? Why wouldn't he make it just natural and smooth to connect relationally with others? He did. In creation. Man and woman not only had complete, total intimacy with God, they had perfect intimacy and connection with each other. We're the ones that messed it up. When sin entered the world, it not only broke our connection to God, but it breaks our connection with one another. And so we have to work on and push past the barrier of sin to be able to connect with each other. It takes work. There are barriers. In fact, let me quickly give you three barriers. There's no blanks for you to fill this in, but you ought to write these down. Find some space on your program there. The first barrier, write this down. Pride. Pride is a barrier to connection. Because pride says, I can do it on my own. I don't need others. I can figure it out. I can fix it. Pride. Second one, write this one down. Fear. I'm afraid I'm going to be hurt again. Some of you know what I'm talking about, right? Sometime in your past, you opened up your life and your heart to somebody, and you were vulnerable because that's what love is, and they took advantage of it, and they wounded you deeply, and you've closed up, and you've built the walls and the calluses and said, nobody will ever hurt me like that again. And if that's you this morning, I want you to know I'm so sorry for your pain. I'm so sorry for the church or the Christian or the man or the woman who caused you that damage. But because I love you, I am begging you, don't let that person separate you from what God says you deeply need in life. I know it's a little harder. Push through the barrier. Any of you ever gotten sick eating at a restaurant? Ate something bad, got sick? Let me see your hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me ask you this. Did you stop eating out? You probably didn't go to that restaurant again, but you didn't stop eating out. The reason I know that is because every week we get a new restaurant in here in Aiken. We're all eating out. Don't let the pain that someone else caused you keep you from the blessing that God wants to give you in connection. Third one, write this one down. Culture. The culture we live in is a barrier to authentic connections. The speed of our life. The mobility, you realize we move, we change cities and towns and coast more than any generation in history. Culture makes it a barrier to connect. You know what else does? These political tribal differences that we care so much about. 
It's causing us, oh, you don't look like me, you don't think like me, you don't vote like me. I can't be in community with you. And it becomes a barrier to connection. Or the culture says, all you really need is to be on Facebook. Give that Instagram, share that beautiful, perfect life, and then live in the endorphins of the likes and shares you get. And that, that is a substitute. It is inoculating you from authentic community. And it is destroying your life. Not only that, it is keeping you from going deeper in your faith. you got to be connected. Look at Romans 12, 9 and 10. This is a crazy passage. Look at what it says. Your love must be real. Hate what is evil. Hold on to what is good. Love each other like brothers and sisters. Now, when I read that, I'm like, the middle part doesn't fit. Do you see that? It's like an add-in. The first part of the passage says your love must be real. The last part of the passage says love each other like brothers and sisters. Why does it have this thing about hating evil and holding on to what is good? What in the world does that have to do with our relationships? Everything. Everything. Because if you're going to connect with other people, you got to recognize that they've got some sin damage in their life, just like you got sin damage in your life, and we have to push past those difficulties in the relationship and hold on to what is good. Isn't that what Jesus did with the disciples, right? Jesus didn't hang out with the 12 disciples because they had it all together and made his life easier, right? No, they were always doing stupid things. They were always getting on his nerves. Man, the night before Jesus is about to suffer and die, if ever he needed his homies to come alongside him, you know what they're doing on the way to the Last Supper? Arguing over which one of them is the best disciple. They're focused on their self. So what does Jesus do? Say, I'm sick of you guys. I'm going to get me a new group. I'm going to get me some new friends. No. He washes their feet and tells them that he loves them them. Why? Because you got to connect. See, one of the reasons we're not more connected with others is because we don't give people grace. You mess up, you get on my nerves, you do something wrong, pff, I'm done with you. I'm moving on. Get me a new BFF. I'm get me a new boyfriend. I'm get me a new girlfriend. I'm get me a new husband. I'm going to get me a new wife. I'm going to get me a new home group. Those people are crazy. And we bounce from relationship to relationship. And we don't hold on through the hard stuff to go deeper where the true intimacy is and the depth of connection that will take our faith to a whole nother level. Let me ask you, look at those three barriers that you wrote down. Which one are you struggling with the most? Which one keeps you from connecting deeper? Whichever one it is, I just want you to circle it. Just circle it there on your outline. And then I want you to put it into practice. I want you to pray this week and ask God to give you the courage to take one step to push back against that barrier. One step to going a little deeper in your connections. We need each other because it's how we're wired. We need each other, number two, because it's required for us to grow. It's required for growth. If you're going to dig down to a deeper foundation of faith, you can dig better and faster if you will dig with others and you will let others dig with you. I think that's what Paul's talking about in Romans 1.12 when he says, I want us to help each other with the faith we have. Your faith will help me, and my faith will help you. 
faith grows when we have a healthy interdependence on each other. Interdependence. Not independence. I'll do it my way. But also not dependence. This is something I'm seeing more and more in the church today. Is that we are depending on somebody else's faith to deepen our faith. We grasp hold to some Bible teacher or some preacher and we say, whatever they say is what I'll believe. Whatever they tell me to do, that's what I'm going to do. And we think we're going to have a deeper faith. That's not how this works. That's not how any of this works. Yes, God gives teachers and preachers and shepherds. Their job is to point us in the right direction. But it is our job to walk that way journey. you got to own your own faith. Please don't ever choose to believe something just because I said it. I'm as jacked up as you people are. I can mess up. I can say stupid things. Don't hold on to me for your faith or Beth Moore or whoever your favorite Bible teacher, Andy Stanley. Don't hold on to them. Hold on to Jesus. He'll deepen your faith. You know, that actually happened to the Apostle Paul. He planted a church in the city of Corinth. Spent a couple of years there getting it up and going. And then he turned it over to the next pastor, Pastor Apollos. And then Paul went on to start another church. And it didn't take long at all for the people in the church to start choosing up sides of their favorite preacher. I follow Paul. No, I follow Apollos. Paul got wind of it. He wrote a letter, the 1 Corinthians letter, and he said, what is wrong with you people? Who is Paul? Who is Apollos? All that matters is who is Jesus. You have to own your own faith. You can't depend on another person to grow your faith. Colossians 3.16, check it out. It says, let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. And then look at this. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Circle that phrase, he gives. We don't help each other grow by sharing our own wisdom, our own ideas, what we think about this problem or this issue. We help each other grow by reminding each other of what Jesus has said. You know, one of the things I'm most grateful for over these last five months in this grief storm that I'm going through is that the people that God has connected me with over the years have been able to come beside me, not with their own wisdom, not with their own words, but simply remind me of the promises of Jesus that are so hard to remember or believe when your heart is shattered. When they have come and just shared the truth of God's word, when I have seen their faith in those promises, remind me that I can trust in those promises, not in their faith, not in their opinions, but on the words and truth of Christ. It helps us grow. Not only do others help me stay focused on Jesus, but being connected with others also provides me with protection. Ecclesiastes 4.12, it says, A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated. But two can stand back to back and conquer. Do you know the Bible describes our enemy Satan as a lion? A prowling lion seeking to devour us. Do you know how lions hunt? 
they separate the prey from the herd. They can't get to them in the herd. There's protection in the herd. But if they can separate, isolate, get them off by themselves, they can take them down and destroy them completely. Maybe that's the reason you feel so defeated in your faith. Maybe that's the reason you're so discouraged in your relationship with God because you're trying to do it on your own. We need others to help us grow. We need to be connected. And the best place to connect to other believers is to be a part of a church family, to connect to this family. And here at Cedar Creek, the best way to connect to the family is through a home group, to get connected with a home group. And I'm telling you, I am so excited. I want to celebrate something with you this morning that gives me tremendous hope for this new year, 2019. In the six weeks of 2019, just in the six weeks since the calendar turned, at all of our campuses, we have had the largest groups of people going through the next step to membership class than at any time in the last 10 years. Huge numbers of folks <laughs> saying, I want to be a part of this family. And in just the last six weeks, we have been able to help over 70 people connect with a home group. 70 people, six weeks. That is more than 10 people a week. That's a God thing. You are getting it. You're understanding it. You're inviting. You're opening your heart and your groups and your lives. And I just want to say thank you. You know why this matters? Not because it makes us a great church and we go, we're beating all the other churches. It's because I know as a pastor who cares about people that they don't have to face storms alone. That they are people who love them, who are going to walk with them, help them grow, help them be prepared for life's storms. Thank you, Cedar Creek Church, for getting it and for living it out. I promise you, it's transforming lives. Then number three, the third reason why we need each other is it makes us more productive. When we're connected, we're more productive. See, connecting with others not only helps me develop a deeper faith, but it helps me live out that faith in a more effective way. Look at Ephesians 2.10. It says, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Two things this verse makes very clear. We were created to make a difference. We are created by God to have a positive impact on other people. This verse makes that clear. But you know what else it makes clear? That we do this best when we do it with others. Notice the personal pronouns in that verse. There's no my, no I, no me. It's all we and us. Why? Because God says you got to do this together. Better together is not just a cool slogan we put on t-shirts that we give away. It's the heart of how we as a church make the greatest impact on our community and the world. Ecclesiastes again, 4-9. Two people are better than one because they get more done by working together. Circle that phrase, more done. Do you understand what that's saying? That two people 
working together can accomplish more than two individuals doing the same amount of work over the same period of time. It's called the synergy of team. You get more done. That's why we do local outreach, school partnerships, through our home groups, because we can do it together. That's why we partner with organizations in our community and peace partners overseas, because we do it better when we do it together. Let me tell you something. The more connected you are, the more impactful your life will be. And then finally, number four, the fourth reason why we need each other is because it prepares me for life storms. Connecting to others prepares me for life's storms. You know, in the story that Jesus told at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, that story about the wise and the foolish builders who both built houses, one built on the sand, one built on the rock, the one thing that both houses had in common is they both got hit by the exact same storm. Read it in, in Matthew's gospel, read it in Luke's gospel. The different writers describe the, the storms differently, but in Matthew, Jesus describes the storm that hit the foundation house exactly same words as the sand house. Same in Luke. The storm is identical. This is not just a cool illustration that Jesus used one time to hammer home a good, good sermon. It's a truth that Jesus continually reminded his followers of. In fact, he's pretty clear in John 16, 33. This is Jesus talking to his closest followers, right? Look at what he says. In this world, you will have trouble. It's coming. It's coming. We, we don't develop a deeper faith to prevent storms from coming into our life. We develop a deeper faith to prepare for the storms that are inevitable. Jesus doesn't say, dig down, you'll have a storm shelter, and the storm will go right over you. He says, dig down so your house can stand the storm that's coming to all of us. See, sometimes we get this idea. This is rampant in the church in America today, that the closer I get to Jesus, the calmer my life will be. The more I love Jesus, the more he's going to make my life easier and my circumstances easier. Well, let me tell you, I've been a pastor living my life on mission for almost 25, 30 years. And I'm going to tell you, the closer I get to Jesus, the more difficult my circumstances get. Because Paul said, fight the good fight. Brothers and sisters, the good fight is a fight. And we are in a fight. And if you're going to weather that storm, you got to build your life on the rock of Jesus. And you need other people to do it. Listen, you're, we're all in one of three places. You're either heading into a storm, in the middle of a storm, or you are just coming out of a storm. Aren't you glad you got up and came to church today? Thank you, Philip. I don't tell you that to discourage you. I tell you that because I love you. And I don't want you to be surprised when the wheels come off. When God doesn't answer every little prayer the way you want it. You've got to have a foundation of faith that supersedes your circumstances. Only a fool is unprepared for what you know 
is inevitable. And the best way to prepare for the storms of life is to invest in relationships with people who can walk with you through the storm when it comes. Over the last 25 years, I've walked with many individuals and many families who have faced devastating life storms, painful, heartbreaking, shattering circumstances. And I'm going to tell you, the difference between those who are connected and those who are isolated is dramatic. Now understand this, being connected with others does not minimize the pain. It does not make the pain any less, but it allows you to manage the pain because you share it with others. Look at Galatians 6.2. Share each other's troubles and problems, and so obey our Lord's command. Look, I don't know what storm you're dealing with, but I know this. You don't have to go through it alone. You are not alone. Whoever you are, whatever you're struggling with, whatever brokenness and pain you brought with you today, you are not alone. God is with you and God's family wants to connect with you. If you're at a campus of Cedar Creek Church, you are surrounded by people who are willing to open up their heart and their lives and walk with you through your journey. They don't have magic answers. They don't have some kind of mineral water that will fix all your problems. But they will walk with you and share it with you and help you grow and survive. The only question for you this morning is, are you willing to reach out? Are you willing to push past the barriers and let somebody connect and walk with you? You got to dig, but you don't have to dig alone. Would you pray with me? Oh, Father, thank you. For the reminder of, of these truths that so many of us who have been a part of Cedar Creek Church have known for years. But Father, thank you for reminding us of why it matters. Father, would you break down barriers this morning? Break down fear, break down pride, break down busyness, break down jacked up priorities. And would you help us, your people, your family, begin to connect and walk with each other to dig a deeper foundation? Because in coming to one another in connection, it's what brings us into your presence. Oh, Father, help us hear your words and put them into practice today. In Jesus' name, amen.